Yo, this is your boy Omega Katana here, here to bring you episode three on the Omega 13 podcast. I'm your host, General and Protector of the Omega 13th Dimension, and today's guest is indie up uh, indie author Brian Naminer, famous for Combat X, Combat Frames Exceed, and the book Don't Give Money to Those That Hate You. Links will be below in the description box below the video. I hope you enjoy. The, enjoy the podcast. One, two, three. We're live now. Hello, this is your boy, the Omega Katana, and here is the famous, and welcome to the Omega 13 Dimension Podcast. I'm your host slash general, Omega, and this is my host, the fame, upcoming author of Combat Exceed and the book I always quote, don't uh, don't support those that hate you, Brian. He, Brian. Brian, here. You're up. Sorry about that. Just really excited. I can tell. Yes. Hey, hey folks. I'm Brian Niemeyer, uh, Dragon Award winner, best-selling author of "Don't Give Money to People Who Hate You," and the Comet Frame X Seed series. Uh, right now, I'm doing an Indiegogo campaign for the first book, and the second series of X Seed Saga, Comet Frame X Seed S. So if you like what you hear, your patronage would be greatly appreciated. Oh, thank you. So, so basically, thanks for coming on the show today. And, and I, the reason why I wanted to interview you is because you're a book author. And I wanted to, to, to ask you questions, why you became a book author, why you love to like write stories. Like I used to love writing stories, but I kind of got burned out over time. But I just want to I just want to get our viewers like inspired to learn from you and whatnot and what and how you do things, as well as chat with about other thing uh, other things of interest as well. Well, I can't beat that. Yeah, one thing I've noticed as I go along in my career path is that um, there are basically two kinds of writers. There are those who really have one big thing to say, and they will spend years, sometimes decades, perfectly polishing that one magnum opus and then they get it off their chest and, and they're done, right? You, you, you see that with... Black um, Beauty. Yeah, or even um, on the other side, authors like Patrick Rothfuss who write like one big breakout hit and then really can't follow it up, can't really catch lightning in a bottle again. And on the other side there, on the other end of the spectrum, the guys like Nicole or Chris Kennedy who are just, like they, they probably wrote a book while we were having this conversation, right? The, the pulp speed guys. So, you know, you just need to, to figure out which kind you are, but really nowadays it's the second type that the guys who don't need to wait for their muses, who treat writing like a business, you know, no differently than a, a, a plumber approaches installing a sink or a carpenter approaches building a house, right? It's, yeah. it's my job you guys pay me and, and give me a living to do what I love. So you know, I'm, I'm really duty bound to do it. And that's why I do it now. As for how it got started, um, I, I really didn't have a choice. It's because uh, I actually got disemployed by witches at what was supposed to be like the, the, the first real job in my career. So it was just this perfect storm, right? I just got out of school um, I, I just landed a job on my career track 
And because I stood up for my religious convictions, they, uh, they, they found a, a weaselly way to uh, separate me from, from employment there, let, let's say. Yeah. So. Limit the I, competition. Yeah. And so I was basically blacklisted in, in uh, my original field, which is super tight knit. Everybody knows everybody. So I really can't go back. I'm like, okay, well, what else do I have? Well, I've always loved telling stories and I've been a, a game master. We play tabletop role-playing games. That's, that's interesting. I always wanted yeah. to get into that. Well, we can get into it right now. <laughs> yeah, probably really soon, though. But, but thanks for. But, but really, I heard stories about people getting blacklisted due to religious beliefs and and how and their personal beliefs. Like, yeah, it's like being in a high school clique. I thought people grew out of that crap, but I was wrong. Twitter proved that that if you don't believe. In a certain clique, people will blacklist you. People will mock you. People will call you an insult. People call you all sorts of names if you don't agree with them, even yeah. though it is factual. Yeah, America has turned into one giant high school Lick. cafeteria, man. Yes. We're literally yeah. I just want to play my freaking video games in peace. Right, we just wanted to play our video games. The, the ride never ends. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to get into writing, because like you said, I always love telling stories. I always love making worlds. My dad always tells me, Akili, you should make go into game development. You should write, you should like go into game development or so because you love creating worlds. When I was a little kid, I used to draw all the time to the point it's not, you know, Z axis, right? Uh, when an object's below, behind, and whatnot. Instead, I used to stack, stack them on top like Texas uh, Tetris bricks. Oh no! But 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 yeah, I vaguely remember this. But I always loved I always loved to draw worlds, mostly in the science fiction variety, because I loved outer space and space travel as well as as well as settings that take place in the future, like cyberpunk, post cyberpunk, robots, mega anime, space Wait, operas. You're talking my language. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love Combat X Seed because it's like Gundam Seed or Mobile Suit Gundam Gone Metal Gear. Basically, mission. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I always love my robot anime, but done in a more political side like Metal Gear. And that takes place multiple generations each sequel, which stars a different protagonist, a protagonist to prevent the story from becoming stale. Feel me? Yeah. No. Well, and you, you totally feel my work. I and mean, you're, you're getting it. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Because even though you're a Christian and all, but I'm a Muslim, but I believe many stuff that you said. Because I believe in open free markets as well. Because the high school cafeteria is not open free market. No. You have to stay in the clique or you're a freaking outcast or, and bullied for not going into a clique. Well, well, exactly. And now that's being applied on a societal scale where... And it's scary. Oh, yeah. There's nothing more horrifying than a self-entitled hall monitor with no limiting principles and absolute power takes over. I mean, that's a lot of what you see in a Seattle Autonomous Zone. Yeah. And it's, I heard that place is really, really awful. It's like they have no freaking way to construct a society 
You have to have rules to construct a society. And look at that zone, lawlessness, chaos, no money structure, no, no economic structure, no, no structure, period. It's all for yourself. Yeah, and contrary to what some people might think, we're on the extreme Black Bill side, and we might be headed toward Mad Max or something. That's not really realistic. Uh, but if you study history, what you learn is chaos doesn't last forever because there's an innate human need for order and structure. And you will be surprised to see what people, what, what some of your friends and neighbors will do for order, who they will turn to. Yes. That's what's really scary. It's, it's not so much the descent into chaos. It's They're okay, going to well, easily be brainwashed because they want to feel comfort and way of the belonging of a community. Yes. I feel yeah. your language, man. Sounds like it. Yeah. Because so I, because I always start the interruption. I always like learn from articles because my my interest is basically current events, social political current events. And I took a break hiatus for a long time because it got me depressed. But it influenced my imagination greatly. You've got to take a break every once in a while. Yes, exactly. Play some video games. Even my dad said, Akili, you should take a break on that. It's getting you depressed. Sounds smart. Yeah. He, my, I love my dad. I love my mom. I love, my, I love God. God's awesome. God's great. And I'll get to that later on. But, but can you tell me about why you created those books in the first place? Yeah, it, it was kind of like you said. I, um, I was a big Gundam fan. Um, my personal favorites are Zeta Gundam, MS Gundam, and Gundam Wing. But I just thought, you know, what, what if we start from today? And this was like 15 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, oddly enough, Comet Frame Exceed has proved kind of prescient because um, I'm a student of history. I was actually studying history then. And I thought, okay, what if we take the current trends we're seeing and extend those into the future? And what I saw happening was global economic and social collapse egged on by these tech oligarchs. And what the oligarchs in Comet Frame XC did in the background of the book was they formed their own private space program and fled the chaos it helped to cause on Earth for outer space. And I mean, now we have Elon Musk launching the, the dragon rocket with SpaceX. So they can, hmm. And uh, it, it's an open secret that Jeff Bezos basically wants to build O'Neill cylinder type colonies at the Lagrange points. I mean, he, he so wants to go. Gundam, man. On. Yeah. And the colonists are enslaved as well. They used to work, they were treated as crap and worked as slaves as well. It's basically as the Earth Federation and the obligarchs of Zeon, basically, for an example, are basically yeah. working as they're on the same side as the elites. Both sides suffer massive casualties and chaos, while the, the, the oligarchs will be like smoking their cigars and chilling and eating their popcorn in the background, collecting those mobile suit sale checks. Right, exactly. And that's, that's what Tomino missed. Yeah. Which is that... Uh, 
like the the bureaucrats, the the, the nanny state, oligarchs of like the Earth Federation from Gundam, and then uh, the the contoulists, right? So like uh, Zeon and and Char, yeah, like the the radical environmentalists, basically, they're on the same team. They they're really the same guys. So I thought, okay, well, what what if we took that concept and ran with it, and so I ended up with an inversion of Mobile Suit Gundam with the first stack seed book mm-hmm. where it's actually the space colonies who stay developed and keep technologically advancing while Earth de- degenerates and actually uh, falls into another dark age where warlords take over and most nations disintegrate into independent city-states. So when life in the colonies stabilize, they're able to use their superior technology and cohesion to come and actually dominate the earth. So instead of uh, the, the earth federation ruled from earth, oppressing the colonies in common from exceed, it's the tech oligarchs in the colonies and their successors oppressing the grounders on earth. Yeah. That's really cool. I really love the, I started reading your book combat exceed and I love how it's structured and basically how each character operates in its story. It's like a more realistic take if we manage to get space colonies on the pl- in real life. Well, thanks for saying so. That's what I was going for. Yeah. And each character is neither good or evil, but they have their own sides. And the main character, in the first chapter words of the pages of the book, even the main character was even sorry for killing a person because it's not originally in his heart or in his programming to base, or not programming, being like mindset to actually kill a person. But you know you're you're fighting in a war. You gotta do whatever it takes to survive. Yeah, I I don't really go in for the the trope that uh, you know every hero is a sociopath. You really see this in in D and D a lot because um, with the number of sapient beings they kill, almost any Dungeons and Dragons party member, whether they're chaotic neutral or lawful good, would qualify as a sociopath at minimum. Yeah, because they don't care about others' opinions except what they think it's right. Right. So in like the, the second comment frame XC book, uh, Coalition Year 40, one of the main characters is a 14-year-old kid named Simon Trent, whose background is as a computer programmer. And then he's basically selected to pilot an XC. He's just handed this multi-billion dollar death machine and told to go have fun. He's like, but oh, okay. I mean, I, I joined this to kind of, I joined this group to make a political statement and stuff. And now it's real. This isn't a game. My actions actually have consequences and they're horrifying. And so a lot of the book is him coming to terms with, like you said, the, the duty of being a soldier, right? And when you yeah. sign up for something, even if it turns out it's not as it was billed, well, you're committed now. And you can really go either go all in or get out, but there, there are no half measures. You'll, you'll get destroyed that way. So he's, he's got to figure out how to walk that razor's edge. Yeah. Even though your feet are bleeding in the outside. As, as, I'm just saying that for a saying. It's like basically a deconstruction of the real robot genre, anime genre that Mobile Suit Gundam established, but in put into a more realistic way. You're, even the four, even a fourteen year old, it has doesn't understand some concepts, right? Till like it was too late that he cannot comprehend the whole situation, right? And 
I, I'm wary of deconstructions. And I think what he said is somewhat valid, but I, I prefer both and approach because here's the problem with deconstruction style literature up to this point. Like I'm thinking of uh, Watchmen and Neon Genesis Evangelion in particular, right? So what those two properties did was they deconstructed the superhero and then the mecha genre respectively. And people forget that the point of deconstruction of uh, exercises like that is to figure out what makes a genre tick, right? So yeah. dissect and find out why it works and then use that information to make it better. But they forgot to put Humpty Dumpty back together. So they basically killed the genre. You ever heard of a one show called a magical girl show called Madoka Magica? It did yes. the same thing what Eva did. They, mm -hmm. for, they forgot to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So they mm -hmm. basically killed this, those, what you said and what I said, basically killed the magical girl genre, American superheroes, and robots. Yes. Because, yeah, let me tell you something. When I wanted to make my own robot story called Starwing, the Starwing mm -hmm. French saga, it's basically a reconstruction. Right. It's like a celebration, and it's a more realistic take on those tropes. Right, and that's what I did with Exit, at least tried to do, right? It's yeah. been like a, the, the first act sort of dismantling the real robot genre and finding out what made it work, and then I put it back together Yeah. in order to get past the dead end that, like, Eva devolved it to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm almost, in, seriously, bro, I'm almost in tears, but I'm holding them up. But... Because we need more reconstructions instead of deconstructions. Like, you, in, like in American comic books, thanks to Watchmen and the 90s, Americans don't know how to write superhero stories anymore. No, we, we it, really don't know how to write stories anymore, period. Um, exactly. I, I was having a conversation with a really bright friend of mine, and he pointed out how again and again, you see a similar theme in big Western properties, whether it's video games or movies or TV shows. And it's that they, they can't do the redemption arc anymore because they don't believe in forgiveness. So they, they don't believe in mercy because as well as uh, my other book, don't give many people who hate you points out they're a fanatical death cult. <laughs> and yeah, they are death cult. They, they are. And, Moloch doesn't have the power to forgive you. Only God can forgive you, but they, they just keep sacrificing to him, hoping that, well, this time it'll work. No, and he's happy to, uh, you know, to drink all the blood they offer him, but he, he can't forgive them. Nope. They went far and, astray. Now can you, you can continue. Yeah, no, good, good point. But you, you see it again and again, like um, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Yeah. They basically repeat the, the same plot over and over, all, all three of them, because they can never really bring closure. They, the characters can never really grow and get, get past their past mistakes because J.J. Abrams doesn't believe in a world with forgiveness. Yeah, that's kind of scary. That's what happens yeah. when you take away religion. Yeah. Because this is my personal belief. If you take away religion, which teaches you about forgiveness and taking care of your fellow, having empathy for your fellow man. Mm -hmm. If you take that away, you take away forgiveness, you take away why we're here on this planet, 
you take away good storytelling, you take away morals and values. Yeah, you, you do. And it's, it, it's really clear. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but those who've seen it, um, I actually didn't, but um, I have heard how it went. Uh, they tried to recapitulate the end of Return of the Jedi in Rise of Skywalker and completely made a hash of it. They just completely destroyed the series. Yeah. And because what's a great, why Return of the Jedi is a great movie is because they nail the redemption arc. Yeah. The heroic sacrifice, mm -hmm. but you cannot have Anakin Skywalker giving his life for his son and gaining forgiveness in a JJ Abrams start star Wars movie. Yeah. Because those people have skeletons in their closet as well, but we'll get into that another time. Mm. Because if they don't believe in forgiveness, then how you believe in kindness and respect to your fellow man if you don't believe in forgiveness? Everyone makes mistakes. Every religious book will tell you everyone makes mistakes, even in the Quran, because they tell you about everyone makes mistakes and we're all, we are all forgetful meaning we all make mistakes and you, you have a chance, you have times and unlimited times to, to get back on the right path. Yeah. In uh, the Christian tradition, the, the Greek word for sin literally means missing the mark, right? Now it's like, you're willing to tell you're, you're an archer. Yeah. And you know, your aim is off. You, you let the arrow fly and Oh, it misses the bullseye. Sometimes it goes straight past the target and like breaks a window. Sometimes it messes up really bad. But uh, yeah, and the death cult thinks that, well, one strike and you're out to mix yep. a sports metaphor, archery and baseball there, right? Yep. And there, there are no do-overs. Nothing. You... Get out. Yeah, but they, but they still believe in human fallenness because, I mean, even Mitch McConnell of all people his account just tweeted out yesterday about America's original sin. So, I mean, we have an ostensibly secular legislator using theological language. Well, what's original sin? Well, in Christianity, it's the stain of sin everyone is born with. It's, it's not actual sin, meaning you, you don't incur original sin from any act you did, but it's human brokenness resulting from our first parents' fall. So they believe that everyone is tainted with it, the, the death cult does. Well, in specifically certain, certain groups of people, but there's no way to remove it. Nope. But basically, yeah. That is like, I don't, I, some, I believe, but I don't believe that all, all humans are evil. But basically, all humans are taught to be, all humans are taught to be new, or neutral at birth, but they're taught whatever they are by their parents mm -hmm. over time. That's kind of the flaw of this, of that guy's ideology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, besides thought, but, but yeah, it's really cool about that. But, but basically in that one book, don't give, I uh, always missed that one topic t title up. Let me just pick it up real quick. And yeah, go ahead. Title or title is it says it really big on the cover. Yeah. Don't give money to people who hate you. Basically basically it means is that is that they treat you like crap. These big companies don't really give a fudge about you. 
the consumer that gives life to these companies. Money is like blood to a company. And yet, they treat their customers, the people who give them life, like garbage because we, at the end of the day, want a good product. We want to be entertained. We want to be so our kids can so our kids get into it and make fans and make more money. But due to the fact they don't know, they cannot understand forgiveness. They cannot understand people's different people's opinions. They don't at equals to a closed mind, and and they don't like competition. I made a YouTube video like a day ago, and another one like two days ago about the Last of Us twos. Two's double double mm. standards on their censorship policies with Japan, due to like in spoiler alert, due to in The Last of Us Two, the main one of the characters was character. Uh, go look this up online, and it's the scene that really got me angry, legit anger. Now I'm not following this for clout, because I hate double standards and corruption. You probably heard about this already. You probably see this on on my tweet there. That's going viral. It's basically a softcore se- sex scene, softcore porn, borderline, in a video game. Dude, I do yeah. not want to look on porn in a freaking video game, okay? The reason why I'm protecting the Japanese games is because I feel for them. Why, do we, why, those, why their games have to be censored for global standards, a.k.a. the oligarch's the, 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 uh, the, uh, the taste, while Japanese games... Feel the burn and the banhammer, and the niches, the nichier ones feel the blow the most. You can't have two sides of the same. You can't have. You can't, as the saying goes, a servant cannot serve two masters. Mm-hmm. It's basically what it is. You're telling one side to do one thing, and you're telling one side to do the other thing. Exactly. And. And even though some people in the cult, like, you're going, why do you care about this topic? Or making trollish or sarcastic comments. And even though I, I was so heated that I overread some people's comments that, that actually agreed with me, that's kind of scary with the internet and how your emotions work and all. Oh, but, totally. Yeah. But anything besides writing, besides D&D and writing, what type of games do you love to play? Oh, I like retro games. Same here. I love retro games. I love Super Nintendo. I love NES. I love the Neo Geo right here. Got the Neo Geo Mini here. Oh, oh, you you have clouds here. Yeah, I I just finished Terra Enigma for the first time. I need to get into that, man. I always want to get into that, but but yes, I have to get. I play on an emulator. Don't beg. Don't don't bum rush me here. But I support emulation. So, anyways. That has, that's how I got into emu- to retro games more because I appreciate them more because of emulation. But I heard Terra Enigma was a fantastic game. It, it's good. I'm playing on the original NES hardware, um, although the game was never released here in the States. Yeah. And playing it, I can see why. But uh, one of my buddies is a major, major collector, and he was actually able to get um, a U.S. region custom-made cart for it. Yeah, uh, but yeah. In in terms of the uh, the the trilogy, because like a uh, Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, and Terranigma form sort of like a, a loose spiritual trilogy that spun off from Act Razor of all series. And yeah. I said Terranigma is is it's easily the second best after Soul Blazer. 
Yeah. About about uh, Twin Tech's games, the creators of those titles, mm -hmm. in the end of the at very end at the credits of Arc Racer, that you were turned into a stat at the end of the game. You were your your character was a statue, and over time during the credits roll, years gone by, and your statue began to unroll erode because of people's forgive forgetfulness of what your deeds have become. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the and at the end of the credits. Your, your statue is nothing more but then like a bunch of rubble put together with moss and whatnot. But hmm. over time, you were never forgotten because some people remember you as a form of a legend. As the Soul Calibur saying goes, legends, legends will never die. Yeah, there's, um, th there's almost an Ozymandias reference in that ending. I, I dig it. Yeah. I love Twin Ted's style, man. That's why we I miss type that type of storytelling, like combine mythology with with human like sociological theories and and philosophies in games, which they which both what the West and Japan are lacking besides Yokotaro. Yeah, ab absolutely. And despite Yokotaro being a deconstruction most of the time, but at least he yeah. does it in a way that's philosoph philosophical. Well, he just likes girls. I mean, and if, if you too. ask him, he loves he loves the girls. He loves love everyone. Yeah, but his stories are dark. But at least he keeps them a bit lighthearted, so people can tap catch a break. Besides yeah. Dragon Guard One. Yeah, I, I just finished Dragon Guard One like two years ago, and I'm currently on Route B of Near Automata. Yeah, so I finished two B's segment. Now I'm on nine S's and. Um, I'm I'm digging it, you know. I I, I dig getting to play as, uh, you know, a, a a battle droid in a fancy cocktail dress who comes out of a red box to do battle with wind up mechanical monsters. <laughs> that's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My type of games, are, I said, retro games. I love 2D fighting games. I love Trumps. I love RPGs. I love Ace Combat. I love Sonic the Hedgehog. I love also. I love a lot of games. Yeah, you got your bases covered there. Good job. Um, yeah, yeah. But but getting back to, or I suppose uh, using your point as a, a springboard, I, I've done a lot of cultural research on not just gaming but really every sector of the entertainment industry. Isn't and yeah, I asked myself, well, when did it all go wrong? When did the wheels come off? And Honestly, for the, the bulk of it, I have traced Ground Zero to 1997. Oh, I thought it was like 2013. No, it was way earlier. Oh. Now, video games, especially on PC, lasted a bit longer. But if, if you get to the point when the, the creativity, like the well really ran dry. Yep. And a lot of these negative trends that have left pop culture a blasted hellscape like they, they really converged so 97 was when auto-tune was introduced to the music industry oh. that's when we got auto-tune and also pro tools became really big mm -hmm. and if you listen to rick uh, beato he's a legendary session musician has a youtube channel he points out that the reason that songs really sound kind of the same yeah they sound the same they sound processed oh, yeah. overproduced 
yeah. is Pro Tools. And one thing they do is mm -hmm. like uh, back in the day before digital recording, like if you had a drum line, well, again, people make mistakes, right? But so yeah. the drums wouldn't be perfectly in time. Yeah. It wouldn't be perfectly, but there'd be room for the drummer to put his own mark on it. You know, they mm -hmm. sounded human. Yeah. And then there'd be room for like the bass player to, to riff around it. Well, now they record the drums and then digitally lock each drum hit onto the beat perfectly. So everything sounds like a drum machine. Yeah. You know, even though your type of genre isn't like funk or disco music, at least it sounded more human because mm -hmm. back in the day you heard like Forget Me Not by Patricia Russian and you hear the bait or or the boogie oogie oogie song you hear like the bassist mm -hmm. like jamming and whatnot you don't even hear the bassist anymore don't no, know why you... people hate the bassist yeah i mean there's certainly nothing like peter hook from new order who'd play bass leads on as many songs as not yeah you never hear a bass lead anymore uh nope. certainly and i mean that's just in in music i mean something similar happened with video games with movies yeah, I mean, 97 was the year of the Star Trek Special track. Editions where Lucas started meddling with his own creation, like trying to fix what was already perfect. Yeah. That eventually lead him selling to Disney um, and, and the, the new... And so, look at that now. It's dead, basically. It, it's on life to support or close to dead. No, you're right. Star Wars is dead. It's, it's dead. Exactly. And to me, one through, th one through six is Star Wars. And the and don't forget the the old republic and those book those the and the throne trilogy. That's Star Wars to me. Not the sequel, Ray uh, Ray Mary Sue. That's not Star Wars. Let me tell you a short story about Star Wars. When I saw the Last Jedi, I thought they're going to like improve upon the Force Awakens, answer some questions about the Force Awakens. But you won't know what I got. Disappointment to the point of anger. Well, it, it makes you strong. <laughs> yeah, strong with the strong with the force, but this is B BS, man. I felt like I felt cheated as a Star Wars fan. I Good, felt you were, angry. You, you yes, were. I, they, have, they have contempt for you. Yeah, they have contempt for me, and I'm not spending any more any dime. I never even saw the last Je no, Rise of Skywalker because I was so upset. I said to myself, "I'm done with Star Wars, man." You didn't respect the fans. You didn't respect me as a person. Yeah, I, and I don't want to sound, I don't want to be all I told you so or all hipster like, oh, I saw it coming earlier. But I mean, I'm a professional sci-fi writer and yeah. an editor, so this is kind of my job. So yeah. when I saw The Force Awakens in the theater, that, that is the last Star Wars movie I've seen. You saw the red flags coming, man. I saw it all because I was like, oh, here's J.J. So, Abrams. And, and I will say, I've... I've been like held prisoner at other people's houses where like Solo was playing in the background, but yeah. I didn't give him any attention. But uh, mm. I, yeah, I saw the red flags. I'm like, oh, this is J.J. Abrams. And okay, he's doing his mystery box thing, which he always does, yeah. where he presents to you this like big green box with like, like Riddler question marks all over it. He's like, okay, well, pull the bone. Let's see what's inside. And there's never anything inside. He doesn't Except know. another box and a yeah, small just, box and a small yeah. box. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. You have the better analogy. It's like Russian dolls. All, all, it's turtles all the way down because he yeah. doesn't know. And like, oh, well, the rest of the series is just going to be an exercise in futility because <laughs> he's setting up all these mysteries to hook people, but he's not going to be able to deliver. To solve them because he didn't, he didn't 
Look, he didn't even brainstorm the story, the plot line. He didn't make a map how things are going to run. It's like basically uh, the person who writes by the seat of his pants, but he does it so <laughs> badly that it all falls apart. Like, like Game of Thrones season eight. That had structure, and I don't know how the hell they fucked it all up. Sorry about my French, but but I'm not a Double big dip. Game of Thrones fan. I was forced watching with my siblings when I was visiting in New Jersey. Hmm. But season eight, I heard, was a train wreck. They, like, rushed everything due to the guys wanted to do Star Wars, but they got fired, so they went to Netflix to do some stuff. But afterwards, it killed the Game of Thrones franchise for good, like Last Jedi did to Star Wars. And how, not right now, how The Last of Us 2 is the killer of a promising franchise of the called The Last of Us. Yeah, and honestly, I don't want to go too hard on the listeners here, but the death cult only has as much power as we give it. Okay. Yeah. And what they're doing is they've seized control of these venerable franchises that people of generations X through the millennials love. love. Yeah. So what they've done is it's like they've killed your parents and hollowed out their skins and turned them into hideous undead flesh puppets. Yeah. That, uh, you know, tell you to drink bleach and, uh, and do drugs instead of, getting out hours of sleep every night and doing your homework, right? They're telling the exact yeah. wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. So you've just got to disconnect. You, you've got to let your go. nostalgia go. Yeah, and look forward to the future. Support your indie creators. That's one thing they, the upper, the people in charge now, they cannot create original stories because when I said, I said this before, Gen X was the best creators from the 70s and 80s or so. That's my opinion. 70s, 80s, 90s. That's the best era of creation, of fiction, entertainment. Right. And it wasn't Gen Xers doing the creating then, though. It was uh, largely the silent generation. The silent generation? You mean like uh, the 20 people? With um, so Charlie the, Chaplin and whatnot? The generation right before the boomers. Oh, uh, yes, so that generation. Yeah, so there's like, uh, depending on which generational model you use, so there's like the the greatest generation and then then they're like their younger siblings were the silent generation so they were just too young to be drafted into world war ii yeah right so they're kind of an intermediate generation Mm -hmm. um so the people are like in their 70s now those are the silence yeah and so like the beatles weren't boomers they were silence for example yeah right so it was really and, and george lucas is a silent i believe so it's Really, it was the silence who made, either through being the, the direct writers and, and directors or producers, the money men, who made the big 80s and 70s uh, sci-fi and fantasy renaissance. Yeah. Okay. Which Gen X grew up on. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. They were, they were formed by those, like the original Star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that stuff's all gone. It's it's dead. Yeah. They exhausted it long ago. The uh, like my friend David Stewart has pointed out, the corporate IP death cycle claimed them all long ago, and they're now undead husks. Yeah, and it's but, now just to us, the indie creators, yeah, to to bring up a new generation. What what you said, bring up the old stories and let them and and uh, I just want to say, keep moving forward. Create the futures now. Create mm-hmm. new IPs for us to enjoy. You can make risk with them. 
You can gamble yeah. with them. You can be go all out with them. You can make tributes. Why there's no lack of IPs? Due to lack of this, they do not like taking risk, and they do not like taking competition. Right, and we're doing it. I, I could show you a dozen new pub authors who are turning out stuff that would, would beat the pants off of anything Made that the big five network publishers are coming up with. Because yeah, they're, me, and, me and my colleagues, we're out there, we're taking risks. Yeah. We are doing reconstructions and we're releasing all new stuff nobody's ever, ever seen before. We're, this is where all the fun, India's where all the fun is. Yeah. It's just that the, the big converged corporations are doing Blocking everything they can. Yeah, to gatekeep and just keep to, to make sure there are no eyes on us because they don't want competition. You, yeah, they don't want you, the reader, seeing that there's an alternative. They want you to think you're alone that there's no other choice. Exactly. Eliminate the competition. And I thought it was only for Japan, but I was freaking wrong. Well, we've all had to come to terms with the uh, recently. Don't feel bad. It was it was wrong, but we have to create no choice but to create our own stuff. That's why I made this con this this podcast, besides I want to share my interests, I want to also give awareness to indie creators like you and people who are like people are, like us who want to create more stuff mm -hmm. and the like. And, but yet they're getting gatekeeped, they're getting blocked, they're getting interference to the point of perverting their, their own, our own work to be corporate acceptable, which I hate. Well, thank you for doing this. We you desperately welcome. need it. My pleasure. It's just starting mm -hmm. out now. It's no corporate. It's a nonprofit organization. And if it's goals fixed, it's a nonprofit organization that all funds will go to expenses on better equipment and improvements to the podcast. That's the way to do it. You got to spend money to make money sometimes. The key is knowing which exactly. money to spend. You got to spend money to make money. And things don't come cheap either. Cry, buy cheap, cry once. Buy Expensive, pay a lot, cry, just no, buy cheap, cry 1,000 times. Yeah. Buy expensive, just cry once because it's just the price. Right. Yeah. Got to think of things in terms of a cost per use. Yeah. Except everything yeah. is cost. It's worth the cost. Even sacrifices is the price to pay for. Even yeah. though I used to work at a McDonald's, it's the price for me to getting like that, that $500, $400 checks every two weeks. I had to leave at home at like six or, or like seven or so to reach my job. It's like an hour bike right away. Work from like 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning, which is sacrificing sleep. And they had to deal with customers. You had to deal with annoying, annoying supervisors or bosses, I call them and suck it up so you can get that paycheck. That's a price you have to pay for. Yeah, I remember when you could use the word boss just before this HR speak permeated everything. Yeah. I still call him boss. Who gives a crap? Yeah. Confucius was right. We were, we were overdue for a rectification of names. Yeah. You, you can't call anything by its real name anymore. Yeah. People are pansies. They cannot speak yeah. up. It's a form of control. It's a form to control the resources. Yeah, it, it is. And 
honestly, un, under the skin, underneath it all, the solutions to our problems are twofold. They are masculinity and yep. right worship of God, re returning to worshiping God. Exactly, because it's it's not natural that a man can be feminine. I'm sorry about the, my audience here, but it's not natural for a man to be feminine at all. I'm not being racist. I'm just spilling a fact here. And you see it, you know, you see it because I see it that you go against the will of your nature, bad things will happen. And yeah. for example, getting rid of religion, which I thought it got, it was disappeared in 2013, 2012, when the event of social media gotten huge. People say, let's get rid of religion. It's like restricting, restricting our freedoms. Guess what happened? Chaos ensured. Yeah. And now really internet atheism is over it. It's a pet yeah. rock. It was, it was a movie of the week. It, it was a t-shirt. It's, it's really gone. Um, I've, I've studied the, uh, the, the worldwide census data and atheism is the fastest shrinking affiliation on earth. Yeah. One thing, because they're, they're not replacing themselves and the easiest way to propagate your religion is to have kids yeah. and, and bring them up in the faith. But and also uh, they're depressed too. They're lost. They're mm -hmm. depressed. And emotions took over your 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 mind. Uh, are you still there? Exactly. Yeah, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Saw you going yeah. like your mic's you move far away from your mic and you can't even hear yourself. Oh. Yeah, I love this mic. This snowball blue mic here. Mm. I paid like forty five bucks on it. Worked like a charm. Great. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. No, Pay, you're, you're exactly. exactly right. Pay money to make money. The exactly. joke, yeah. Love capitalism. It's the fruit that keeps on giving. You just have to take care of it. But yeah, get, getting back to what you were, you were saying. Yeah, the the fedora tippers, right? The the, the big brain Nietzsche crowd. They were really pawns of, of the death cult because, as as I pointed out, uh, you know, you you called it the high school click, right? Yes. Well, the high school clique doesn't allow any competition. So in the end, there are only two choices. You can either join them or be exiled to the outer darkness. Yeah. And I've been saying for years that, well, look, these, these atheists, these secularists, they're not going to let you live in your shiny, sexy, godless utopia. Okay, that's, that is not in the cards for you. There is no future where that happens. So you're either going to have to join the death cult or you're going to have to get with the true God. And you're gonna have to get right with God. And from what I've seen, it it it's already starting. I mean, yeah. and uh, most of them are choosing the death cult. Yeah, because of power and influence. Like join, a, yeah, it's like choosing material value rather than your own beliefs and customs. Like yeah. it's like it's, it's disgusting how if you don't join them, they eat they eat you up like they eat those they don't agree with. Like yesterday's trash. Yeah, exactly, and they made themselves susceptible by walking into the trap yeah. of this radical individualism where, Oh, well I can decide what's good for me. The purpose of my life is just to exercise my will completely divorced from any concept of external good. Right. So the, the measure of right and wrong is inside me. It's subjective. Well then what, what does that radical individualism get you? It gets you atomized and cut off from support and alone where like you, you don't have a family around you. You don't have a neighborhood around you. You don't have your, your faith. 
Yeah, you don't even have your kids because some of them don't believe in their don't believe in having a right. family. And then you get picked off. It is super easy for a highly organized group like like the cult to just swallow you up or pick you off. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, it's sad if you don't join them. Look at JonTron for being truthful, even though some parts I don't agree with. At least he's standing up to what he believes in. From YouTubers yeah. to the small guys like us. And who gives a crap? It's not like, it's not like how you... You heard those, uh, uh, those trope in a story that it looks all nice and enticing in the outside, but you go on the inside... It's all ugly and hideous looking. It's like that one tower of Babel in Final Fantasy V where you go into this nice tower and then over time, one of the characters starting gets, gets, starting gets suspicious. And then when you go into a certain part of the tower and, and trigger a certain event, it turns into its true form, an ugly, grotesque beast. It's like, a, like an illusion. Yes. Yeah. Or being enticed by a space parasite Brain fooling a queen that due to her due to her fault husband vanished or died, and and the queen, former queen of a peaceful nation that was once peaceful and loving turns into a complete sociopath and evil due to the brainwashing of that one creature. You know what I'm talking about, right, Chrono Trigger? Yeah. Yes. Quite total classic. It is. Love that game. Love how that how there's multiple stories for each character and they merge into one. They they still don't know how many endings there are. I heard they're like hunt like like five or seven endings of that game. Oh, they're way more than that. Like I think they're on at least twenty one now. People are still discovering endings of that game. Yeah. Holy shit! Chrono Trigger is the best game ever. Man, thanks. Steel. It's yeah, it's it's right there at the high points. Uh, right there in that um, I call that the high nineties sweet spot of gaming. So you had yeah, uh, Super Nintendo. Let me get into that. You, you brought up a point. I, I, I referenced that in a video. That mm -hmm. the 90s were the pinnacles of gaming because of competition. When Sony and Nintendo, no, Sega and Nintendo were at war with each other. And you get kids on the block and said, hey, I got Street Fighter 2. And one kid with the Genesis said, hey, I got Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And this one kid said, I got Sonic the Hedgehog and Streets of Rage. The other side says, I got Mario and Final Fight. And the list goes on and on. I got, I got Shining Force and Fantasy Star. The one side says, I got Final Fantasy. I got all these RPGs, Final Fantasy, Lupia. Donkey Kong Country. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Exactly. And, these, and, and, and they know this too. Back in Japan, they were like creating games, also not with competition, but also with limitations with sprites and what they can put in their games. They began doing more creatively with MDIs and sprites. And from the, start, from the start of the Super Nintendo generation to the end of the Super Nintendo generation, the sprites were a big difference. You see a big change. Yeah, 3D was a mistake. Um, exactly. Yeah, and there's a book you need to read, Console Wars. Have you, have you ever heard of it? Vaguely. Who's it by? Oh, I can't remember the name. I, I had him on Geek Gab when I was still coasting that. You got fired over that too. No, I didn't get fired from it. Blake J. Harris. Blake J. Harris? I'll look him uh, up. Blake J. Harris. Yeah. 
Yeah, Console Wars. And uh, he actually went and um, interviewed guys like Tom Kalinske and Steve Race who were at Sega of America like during yeah. Genesis versus Super Nintendo. They're like the generals. They were. Um, so it, he tried to tell both sides, but Nintendo is a really closed corporate culture. Yeah. So he didn't get a lot of people from Nintendo Nintendo to talk to him. Um, I think he might have talked to like Howard Lincoln and uh, Howard Phillips and, and stuff, but he talked to basically everyone from Sega. So you get a lot of Sega's point of view on it, but it's still pretty fair. Yes. And it, it, it's fascinating because you learn that uh, Sega was in the lead for a while there. They actually managed to become number one in the U.S. for a bit. In the U.S., the yeah. Hedgehog. Yeah, Who moves and... that fast as Sonic? Stop it, interruption. Who moves as fast as Sonic the Hedgehog back in the day? <laughs> no one. Continue. Right, yeah. And, well, and yeah, so they were on those heights. So a lot of people are left asking, well, well what happened? Because, I mean, Sega isn't even in the console market anymore. The Dreamcast was their last console. Bernie Stolar. Well, and it was, it was all uh, really console wars. Puts most of the blame on Sega of Japan. Oh, yeah, because they had, they were rough. It was so bad at Chess Sega Japan that w- once per blue moon that I heard rumors of, of Yuji Naka leaving to Sega of America for a bit because he did not like their cho- their choices then back then. It was restrictive. It, it was, and um, they, they kind of gave Kalinske a snow job, right, because when they sought him out to be the new president of Sega of America, I believe in 1989. Yeah. And he said, well, okay. Uh, he, he was fresh off from being oh. the CEO of Matchbox at that point. And he's like, okay, my, my one condition is you've got to give me the freedom to run the company as I see fit. Right? If you're going to hire me, you've got to trust oh, me. To they, they, had, they had like, oh, we should, we should not. It's giving too much power. Well, they said yes. They said no, no probably no. You'll you'll be given carte blanche, and then they they didn't. But they did in this really sneaky way. They just exercised like this soft power way all over him. Yeah, yeah. Or like you know, just like not returning phone calls or just not approving things. You know, they'd never come right out and tell him no about something. But they'd ignore him because, like yeah. uh, for example, uh, he was at Sega of Japan's headquarters when they were coming up with like the 32X and the Sega CD. And he warned him, like, look guys, people aren't going to go in for all these peripherals, right? Yeah. Just release. He warned them. He warned them, like, release the next generation console. Yeah. Put it, yeah, put the, the CD drive in the next generation console. Yeah, and they, they ignored him. <laughs> and he was yeah. right. And then uh, over the, the Saturn, quick story here, Kalinske was in talks with Silicon Graphics to get their 64-bit RISC chip in the Saturn. And Sega of Japan, one of the rare times they told them no, they're like, oh, well, the RISC chip is, is too big for the case. And uh, Kalinske had uh, Steve Race there. He was the best hardware guy in the business at the time. He's like, no, it's not. Like, what, they what did not they- want to let him do it. It's due to like, they don't want a gaijin like yeah. telling them what to do. That's what, basically what it is. Yeah, so the risk chip ended up in the N64 instead. So imagine what would have happened 
if the Saturn had had the N64's graphics processor instead. Damn. It's like reminding me. It's like, it's like, man, it's like a Sony moment again. Nintendo yeah. did the same thing with Sony. Yep. It was supposed to be a, a process, uh, like an improvement of the Super Nintendo. But due to like behind the scenes screw up Nintendo's part, they decided so Sony had fed up and went with the PlayStation. Yeah, they uh, go over that in, uh, in Console Wars in, in the book because yep. um, yeah, Olaf Olofsson was kind of the liaison between Sony and Nintendo in, in the US. Yeah. And I think it was at the 1993 Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago. Yeah. Where he first found out uh, it, it was at the Nintendo, like Nintendo's big demo there, where they were supposed to unveil the Nintendo PlayStation brought to you by Sony. Right. And instead, Nintendo announced, well, we're partnering with Philips for our CD ROM technology. And looked at what happened. Yeah, and that was when Sony decided, okay, well, we'll if you're going to snub us publicly, we're going to yeah, take the uh, take the PlayStation on our own. And look, they created their own monster. And even yeah. Kalinske with Sega, he tried to warn them. And guess what? It took the Dreamcast, but it was too freaking late. Oh, the Dreamcast is such a tragedy because... It is a really great console. Did, yeah, they did everything right, but it was just too late. late. Yeah, they... Um, they were selling like 10,000 units a day. And finally... They couldn't, they couldn't catch up with the, with, the, with the debt. So instead, they went out of the console market to save, save their business. But at least they did not yeah. become like an SNK, which was a tragedy back in 2000. Yeah. Due to like horrible business decisions. They didn't make a console game division with SNK. Mm-hmm. So they relied on their Neo Geo hardware. And the Neo Geo 3... Neo, Hyper Neo Geo failed... And other sorts of business decisions kind of made the new SNK bankrupt to like to like to like two two years later it became Playmore. Try, yeah. Go watch my previous podcast episode with Neo, a guy, a YouTuber by the name of Neo Geo. Now he specializes in SNK Neo Geo content. Go check him out. I think I know a guy who would appreciate that. So yeah. Yes, it was a tragedy for SNK fans. But now they're starting to go back now. But that's the best part of gaming. People pushed their limits. People felt passion. People cared for their customers that were loyal to them. Exclusives meant something for a console. But it was always yeah. these oligarchs, the executives that ruined shit. For everyone. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was guys who didn't care about the, the medium. Yeah. From right. both Japan and the U.S. Oh, well. Okay. You know, sit on the grass and tell sad tales of the death of kings, right? I mean, yeah. in a way, that's a nostalgia trap of, of its own. Yeah. But we, we still like, got the games. We still yeah. got the, we still have the games. Yeah. We still I have our heads. Yeah. We got emula- emulators. Yeah. So this is about... Again, like my buddy David Stewart has said, it's trying to relive those experiences is a fool's errand, but it's about trying to bring those experiences into the present. Yeah. We need more of that. Like tributes, yeah. like Combat XC, like your love of Mobile Suit Gundam. 
and Metal Gear. Yeah. Or indie stores, like people like, like some people who try to like capture the feel and charm and tropes of shoujo mangas and battle shonens. They're trying to capture that feel and charm. Like with, with project, like project, like Neo R. Caesar that specializes in black, in black, like manga and anime, but in their own format, like a, like basically their own version, like their own tribute to Japanese anime in that sort of style, their own way, their own style, which I appreciate as well. Yeah. We need more of that too. That's why I wanted like to get a hold of like all creative creatives because we have a potential to grow even bigger than Hollywood. Oh, there's a ton of potential. Um, armies, I mean. yeah. But as you said, they don't want any competition. So they always feel in the trap. Like, I don't feel represented. Dude, check out Noir Caesar. They have, bl- they have wonderful stories made by people of color and with, the, with our badass, with good artwork, good stories, and a wonderful representation of the medium that you love. Or go into alternative sources or create your own. If you feel so depressed that today's medium, you can make a parody of it. Or better yet, you can make a reconstruction tribute of it. Right. And I see artists working their, their, their fingers to the bone out there who in no a just world them. with a functional pathway from of obscurity to the big time. I mean, th- these guys should be A-list authors and game devs yeah. and hosts of primetime wow. news shows. Yeah. But they're just, they're, they're languishing obscurity because they're, they're, uh, they, they won't bow to the click. Exactly. We make our own media, our own media. We don't have to rely on the mainstream. Just support your local podcasters network. Support your local networks and let and help them grow from there. I scratch your back and you scratch mine. We'll share the resources. We don't need no big man telling us what to do and what to think. Hello? Yeah. No, I was just basking in your gorgeous rant there. Yeah. I also, I learned that. That's how I learned that from like people like from like my how I like read from those social political like like current events and whatnot and how people write on Twitter that go into that stuff. Trust me, I'm not the smartest or the richest guy here, but I believe but I but I I do mostly do that stuff for a hobby. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that comment. I really do. Well <laughs> No, that, and hey, look, it's important for people to know their limitations. And if you're just doing something as a hobby, that is great. Yes. I mean, there, there couldn't, you could have a scene without hobbyists. Yeah. About that, and, yeah. Continue. Yeah, but just, we need creatives, we need hobbyists, we need critics, and we, we need fans. Yeah. It's, it's an ecosystem. Yeah. Exactly. We need our own ecosystem. We don't need like an established ecosystem that it's way disconnected with its audience. That's what the problem is. People still thinking of that. We just create our own, get a pencil, get, get Microsoft Word or Abby Word, 
and start typing your ass off. If you're good at drawing, get a sketch pad, get a pencil, start drawing. Yeah, get off the bench and in the game. It's, yeah. It's never been a With better podcast, time. If you, huh? There's never been a better time to yes. get started. Yes. If you don't, if you, if you're not good at those two, start a podcast and support your local indie creators. Don't go with the big leagues. Wait till those when you get a bit bigger. But still, go with voice actors if you want to go big. But anything else, start with your indie creators and let it have an audience on its own from there and let it grow and support. Yeah, and if, if nothing else, just don't give money to people who hate you and support people who just want to entertain you. Yeah. Exactly. Don't give money to those that hate you. I always use that quote. Always misword it, but always use that quote. Don't give money to those that hate you. Quote Brian Naminer. Sorry about the mispronunciation of your last name. Forgive me for that. Absolve okay. In videos, I quote that. In Twitter posts, I quote that. I love that book. Everyone needs to read it. Well, thank you. I'm, it's I'm, my pleasure because it's a lesson to be learned because they treating us like freaking crap. And it's not even a, it's a better time to start your own, your own stuff right now. We don't need a big man to get into a big click, get into a big company, get into a big circle. No, if you're good at your stuff, your art, you got the internet, you got a word processor, you got a sketch pad, you got a scanner, you got your freaking smartphone. Start creating. And it's no, no, it's the, and the time is now. The time is now. Yeah. If you're not good at this stuff, just don't support them. Support people who want to entertain you. And if you're, if you're not, support making videos on YouTube. Yeah. Do at least do that. And support the indie guys. They're more than happy to interview you, interview them or whatever. Because you're not doing yourself a favor, you're doing them a favor for letting you grow. Yes, it's like planting your seeds, but let it and nurture it and it'll take care of you. Amen. I, I think that's really what needs to be said. That's a great note to go out on. Yeah. I really got nothing else. Exactly. Same here. Uh, beside, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me on. You too. You too. I want to talk a bit more, but I believe I'm running. It's kind of like almost like two ninety minutes or so. So I want to talk about our taste. Where you talk about video games or introductions and whatnot. I want to talk more about my, I used to like one quick story before I go. I love to type on, you remember those alpha smarts back in the two thousands? Yeah. Tell us a story. Yeah, go Basically ahead. I was during my times in middle school, my high, early high school. I typed on the alpha smart to the point I typed in a novel. I don't know what it's about, but I made up a story in my head and I typed it as things go along. And it has robots in it. It has actions and gunfights. And it has your chill moments as well. Forgot what the story is about, but I remember being a prototype for the Star Wing saga. I post some pictures on, on Twitter one day for, for, for those who are interested. And I'll get back to writing. Th and you kind of inspired me to go back into the creative thing. You kind of opened my eyes reading that book. And that's all to say for now. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Leave a like in the video. 
in the leave a like in the video, leave a comment in the comment box below the video. Now tell them, Brian. We really appreciate yep. it if you do. Yeah, make sure to hit like, make sure to subscribe, make sure to leave a comment below, and make sure to check out Don't Give Any People Who Hate You, and uh, check out and back my Comedy for Next Seed as crowdfunder. Uh, we're closing in on $7,000 and our sixth stretch goal. And when we get there, that will guarantee a free bonus exclusive short story that I will write only for the backers of the project. So to get yours, to make sure it happens, get in there, choose from our tantalizing selection of awesome perks and support people want to entertain you. Exactly. Don't forget to ring that blue bell and don't forget to to subscribe to our podcast. I preach to, to the podcast. Support our podcast on Spotify, on Anchor, on iTunes as well, or Apple iPod, Apple Podcasts. I call it iTunes, whatever. Support those two. I really appreciate it. And and I leave links below the video uh, below the video for for both of our content so you can support us. Thank you for having you on. Anything last words you have to say, Brian? Don't give money to people who hate you. Exactly. And when I, when I, before I said, before I close the gates on the Omega dimension, let me just say to myself or to all of you here, don't give money to those that hate you. Don't, don't give money to those that despise you. Call you an insult. Don't call, don't, don't do that. Stop. Stop being in, involved in that Stockholm syndrome. Okay. They don't care about you. And with that out of the way, it's my host. It's Brian Naminer. Nice having you on. And this is my and this is your host, Omega Thirteen, the general of the and protector of the Omega Thirteen dimension. Until then, signing off. Sayonara and peace. And one more thing. God bless.